Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. Alright folks, you are listening to WXCI Danbury on FM at 91.7 and streaming online on WXCI.org live here from the beautiful Western Connecticut State University. Welcome to Hat Trick City. I'm your host DJ Patty Cake and I am joined by my wonderful co-host DJ Uncle Matt. And today is a very, very special first episode. We are joined by none other than the greatest head coach of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Billy McCreary, how we doing? I'm doing great, boys. Appreciate you having me on. Definitely one of the, definitely one of Dan Burry's greatest head coaches, and certainly uh, a part of a great hockey tradition and bloodline. So it's great to have you in here tonight. We are the night before our first home game right now, so we just wanted to check in with you, Billy, to see you know. How did the first few weeks of practice go as opposed to training camp is now over? You have your core guys in here. What do you think about the group? Yeah, we're really excited about this group this year. And uh, we got a lot of new faces, you know, not the familiar names that we're used to here in Danbury, but certainly guys that understand what we're about and uh, are willing to work for this city, willing to fight for this city, and, and willing to do everything they have to do to bring a championship back to Danbury. Of the newcomers that have come in, some of these new guys, do you see potential consistent tr- contributors at this level? Yeah, 100%. We've got a lot of guys that are that have spent three, four years uh, at the NCAA level, Come most of them coming out of the Division three level. So, you know, they've got the experience, uh, they've got the drive, they've got the passion, and, um, you know, the way the the pro world works, certainly, you know, all of them probably won't stick here. But we're excited about the core group we have here, and and we'll certainly build off of that. You have Captain Johnny Ruiz. You have Gordy uh, Bunnell coming back. You have Frankie Ma- Frankie McClendon, McClendon coming back. You have Brian Wilson coming back. Uh, could you tell some of the listeners, some of the people out there, in the last couple of days, you did make a couple of moves, but a, g- a couple of guys came in. Could you tell people about the late additions here? Yeah, sure. Uh, we've signed a guy, Stephen Leonard, who um, played about half the year last year in the SPHL, half the year in the East Coast League. Um, Stephen actually signed with us the, the year that COVID hit, um, so he never got to actually don the, the Hattricks jersey, but you know, we're thrilled to have him back. Uh, he's going to be a big piece of what we're doing. Um, you know, Johnny McDonald is a player that was with us last year. He started in the SP this year, and, and he'll be coming back to us here relatively quickly. So, you know, he's going to help our back end, and um, we're really excited about, you know, this group that we have, and there's still some pieces that are floating around out there that could potentially come back to us too. So, so just to kind of pull back for a second, Billy, something that I always really wanted to ask you about, and maybe in previous interviews and times it, it – maybe wasn't appropriate or wasn't the right moment but you know compare your own 
rookie days as a pro player to what's going on for some of these guys here under your wing right now. Like, can, can you just talk about maybe where you were as, I guess, you were in college in those days and how your transition started and how, how you know, some of the people out that out there in Danbury that, that root for the team don't really even know how it works for a college athlete. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough out there. Um, you know, pro hockey is a business, and, and just like any business, it's tough to break into. Um, so there's, you know, the amount of college hockey players out there that are trying to filter into the pro world. You, you're competing against all those guys, and, and not just in North America. You're competing against all the guys in Europe. And, um, you know, it's, it's certainly tough to break into. But, you know, fortunately I was – I was able to kind of lean on my support staff and uh, I found an opportunity in the Southern Pro Hockey League in, in Huntsville with the Huntsville Havoc and uh, I took the 22-hour drive from Boston down to Huntsville, Alabama and you know being a kid that was born in Canada, grew up in the Midwest all around those you know those quote-unquote hockey hotbeds uh, I was clueless as to what I was going to get when I showed up in Huntsville and um, it was a it, it was certainly a welcomed place for me and uh, a place that I hold near and dear to my heart. They're a very passionate fan base and they do a really good job down there. One of the best uh, organizations in that league. So we really try to uh, emulate what they do and you know guys that are coming in out of college, out of junior, and and their first taste of pro hockey is here in Danbury. You know we really like to raise our standards, hold our expectations uh, to, to the highest of levels, and give these guys an opportunity that they're going to see at the next level. You know, I guess you were born in Canada but grew up in Michigan. So, and obviously you had the, the kind of the benefit of having a dad who played in the NHL for a while, and obviously your grandfather, all the same name, by the way, old Billy McCreary, right? Um, your grandfather was kind of a builder of the NHL in many ways and had a lot of different uh, functionalities as, as a player. Uh, I guess he was a, a kind of front office and head coach in different ways. How much of who you are as a coach comes from your your pop and your grandpa and how much of it just kind of comes from being a professional yourself and have having worked with a bunch of different coaches that you felt had effective you know routines and tactics yeah that's a great uh it's a great question i mean certainly there's two big pieces that that i get from my family and that's that's the passion for the game and not just the passion for the game but but growing the game um, and that's something that my grandfather was you know directly responsible for and you know he kind of broke into the NHL on the expansion the original six expansion days and uh, while he was playing you know he went through his playing career he, like you mentioned he worked in the front office he was a player coach he was a head coach he was a GM uh, he actually helped start the Central League uh, so you know I remember when he was working in the NHL you know, he was always telling me stories about flying down to Houston, Texas and trying to sell uh, the game of hockey to all these millionaires, billionaires down in Houston to, to try to grow the game and spread it south. And, you know, it's um, it still gives me chills now to think about how how um, he was so instrumental in building those leagues. And, you know, I was very fortunate to play uh, about half a year in the Central League and played uh, some playoff hockey in the Central League and you know knowing that you know 50 60 years before I have an opportunity to put on a jersey in that league my grandpa was trying to build the league wow. um, you know it, it certainly uh, things kind of come full circle for me so 
there's times where sometimes I think I'm too much of an advocate for just building the game and making sure guys experience the game for what it can be and all the best things within the game. Um, but that's just kind of who I am too. And then, you know, the second piece would be their competitive nature. That's just something whether, you know, we're playing in the mustache classic, right. it's a Friday night uh, in Danbury, that, that, that switch is certainly there, that compete level is certainly there. T tell me a little bit about that. You know, I, you don't have to totally break any news, but we we know you like to play still a little bit. And, I've, you know, this is pro hockey. you got all your eligibility left. So uh, you think you're going to get on the ice this season once or twice? I uh, I try to say no, um, <laughs> but it's it's really hard to do, especially now. I probably shouldn't be dating myself, but especially now that I'm 40 years old wow. uh, with, with a daughter. Congratulations. You know, I, yeah. I wouldn't uh, – I wouldn't mind lacing them up one more time, playing in front of my daughter, and especially in the uh, the fourth century here. I, you know, <laughs> you know. I, we'll see how it goes. No, hey. wait, a, wait a minute, hold on. You're forty. Yeah. Fourth decade. Would no, be. no way. No, no actual way. No, dude. I thought you were like at least like early thirties. No, no yeah. I got a young look to me. What? But yeah. Eighty-two birthday. That's right. He's been through it. Wow, that's insane. But you're still older than me, Billy. <laughs> Any, anyway, but um, what about the returning players? Who are you going to lean on this season? Obviously, Johnny Ruiz is back, but you know, not everybody out there really knows who's back and who's not. So, could, could you maybe kind of break it down for us a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody talks about Johnny for the obvious reasons. Um, you know, a guy that I think we need to talk more about is is a guy like Gordy Bennell. Uh, you know, Gordy just does all of the, the little things the right way. And, you know, he's not going to lead our team in goals, but he's going to lead our team in block shots. He's going to lead our team in hits. He, he's going to be the guy that back checks to break up, break up a goal against. You know, he's going to chip in probably 20 or 30 goals, and, you know, he's probably going to have the same amount of assists. So, you know, he's a guy that we rely on in all situations. And, you know, for the Danbury faithful, they expect a hard, gritty game. And, you know, Gordy really leads us in that aspect. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for him. Uh, Tobias Ojik is back for his second year. He's got a little bit of that same mentality where he can do a little bit of everything. He can punish, he can hit, he can fight, uh, he can score goals. Um, so, you know, those are two guys that, that certainly on the uh, on the offensive end uh, with Johnny, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be leaning on those guys. Um, Frankie McLennan is a guy that's back. You know, Frankie's got a lot to a lot to prove this year. Um, you know, and I think he's ready and, and willing to do that. So we're excited about the opportunity that that he has. Um, and then after that, we've got a few guys that you know played a handful of games last year. Um, Yao played a handful of games. Lugo played a handful of games. And you know, we're hoping that that experience towards the end of last year, leading into playoffs, can really propel them forward and and help them take another step this year. And I know you got some changes on the defensive end, right? A few, I think it's a few, pretty much a whole different defensive core now. Now, well, Johnny McDonald is back, you said, and who else is back? I think those are our Dimitri. Only, uh, we actually just traded Dimitri to Elmira today wow. uh, this morning, so that was that's that's new. But he would have been the second guy. Uh, so J Mac is back. He's kind of locking down mm -hmm. that that back end for us. Um, Steven Leonard's gonna play a little bit of D for us. Uh, we've got a few other guys that are, like we talked about, floating in the SP that you know could potentially come back to us. 
Um, but I'm really excited about our decor to our young guys. They're they have experience at high levels, uh, not the pro level yet, but um, you know they'll certainly get there. They're ready and willing to willing to do everything that they can to to bring us success. So. Um, it's not the Aaron Atwells and the Steve Browns of, of Danbury past, but, you know, we're certainly going to get there with these guys. I've passed by a few of the practices, and it seems like you guys have a spirited and kind of engaged group. It, 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 it's not to say it's that it's loose, but it seems like these guys are enjoying the process of coming together, and, and, and there's an intensity level there. What's the key to getting guys bought into the culture and the situation in a league like this? I mean, anybody who's going to listen to the first couple of episodes of the show will probably be real fans. They'll know that it's not the highest of levels. But what's the key on your end to getting these guys bought in? We heard a few guys say, uh, right, Pat, that they, they were excited to see you back as the coach. And, they, yeah. they you know, that they... they uh, one guy in Ruiz said that he probably wouldn't have come back if you weren't the coach. So what... On your end, what's the key to getting these guys bought into a situation like this? It's a great question. Uh, you know, these guys don't they don't play at this level to, to make money. You know, certainly that's just uh, budgets are tight at this level and there's only so much to go around and nobody's getting rich at this level. So everybody does it for the passion uh, and to be a part of something that, that's bigger than themselves. And that's really the key for us is, is we trust the people that we have uh, we care about the people we have. We treat them the right way. We treat them with respect, um, and and we treat them like they're at another level. So we don't treat them like they're playing in the federal league of the early 2000s. You know, we we treat them like they're playing in the Southern Pro League or the East Coast League. And as long as you treat people the right way, um, and you can give them your best effort and, and all the passion that we ask of them we give that to them as a staff we provide them opportunity to grow uh, to better themselves on the ice and off the ice you know ultimately that's what everybody wants to be a part of uh, they want to be a part of something special but in order to be a part of something special you got to understand that it's bigger than you so it's uh, that's a mantra that we that we've kind of lived every year here and it really has worked out for us so far what was the first thing you wanted to address when you became the head coach again when you resumed head coaching duties uh details you know i thought last year we just missed too many details uh too many things were left unsaid left undone um and that's unfortunately why you know we got the result at the end of the year that we got but you know this year is it's a very detailed group. Um, they want to hit the details, and when they do hit the details, they understand the success that it provides them. Um, and that's why when you come to practice, you see the energy, you see that cohesive unit, um, because they are starting to already learn to play as a team. And when they do that to the best of their abilities, they feel the success, they see the success. And um, you know that's the most special part about being a coach, is, is watching that light bulb turn on. Something that I, I I hope there's something funny that comes out of this because you mentioned the the federal league of the of yesteryear and I'm I'm not even sure Patrick knows that uh, there was one team well, that we haven't talked about Patrick's age yet so no right yeah. uh, how old, how old are you now Pat what are you um nineteen wow I was gonna say we'll leave it a surprise but I was like yeah whatever nineteen Jesus Christ I don't I know if you can say that on the air I I do ago. I was. <laughs> roaming around this place we are now 20 years ago for a little bit um but what i want to ask you is 
Pat probably doesn't even remember that there was a team in this league that was decided that they were going to play their whole season outdoors on a baseball field. I did not know this. And I think Billy (laughs) played in some of those games. There's got to be a good story that came out of this. There's got to be something. There's there's a lot of stories. There's got to be one you could tell that came out of this. So I'll tell you the best one that I can can think of right now, and it might be the best one um, of the bunch. But... uh, the Williamsport Outlaws is the team that, that you're referring to, um, and I played for the New Jersey Outlaws uh, the year before. Um, New Jersey, the location didn't really work out. We won a championship. We actually beat um, we beat Herm Sorcher's team, the Danbury Whalers here in Danbury. That was Herm's team, that yeah. That was Herm's team, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think I said my team beat Herm's that team. That was you beating Herm right. that time. Yeah. yeah, so that's what happened back then. Um but the organization didn't work out in, in Wayne, New Jersey. Um, so they, they came up with the plan to, to move it to Williamsport. And <laughs> I had a meeting with the owner and, and the coach at the time. And they said, hey, we're really excited about the direction. And, you know, we want you to, to be a big part of this team and, you know, help, help push us towards another championship. And when they gave me the plan, I, I looked at Chris, and I, who was the head coach at the time, and I said, you guys are going to fold by December. <laughs> I said, you won't last till December. <coughs> and he said, oh, no, we've got a great ownership, and, you know, we're going to finish the year. We're going to be the best team in the league. We're going to repeat as champions. And and I had just decided uh, with my body where it was, um, you know, I decided that it wasn't for me and I was going to hang him up and get into coaching. So I did. Um, and then it was actually uh, February that I got a call from Chris, the the coach, who I said, hey, you know, by December, you guys will be done. And he had he had lost a few guys to some call ups and he had some injuries. So he asked me if I wanted to come play a game in Williamsport. Were you living in Jersey? I was living in Jersey at the time. So I think it was a two hour ride or something like that. So I I jumped in the car and I hadn't been skating competitively. (laughs) I was coaching. So I was on the ice, but I wasn't in shape. And so I decided to, you know, this might be my my swan song, my last couple games to really go out. And Little did you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I show up and we were playing a, uh, I believe it was a Saturday night and a Sunday afternoon. And it was a Saturday night, late February, I believe. So it was a, it was a beautiful night. Stars were out. We played a game. I had a, I had a blast, you know, walking into Williamsport Arena, playing my first outdoor game. There's a lot of really good moments uh, for me in that, but the best moment was when I showed up to the clubhouse because it wasn't a locker room; it was a clubhouse. And I just <laughs> yep. got, I had just gotten out of the car after two hours, and I'm walking into the room to see the boys, and it's all a lot of teammates that I played with the year before, uh, and Chris Furiolo's giving a speech in the room as I walk in, and I hear him say, "Boys, Monday morning." All the lights are going to be shut off and the checks are no longer going to come. This is the last weekend that we're playing hockey as the Williamsport, the Williamsport Outlaws. We're folding, you know, starting Monday. Wow. So I, I had heard the words that I told him probably six, seven <laughs> months prior. 
And to break the ice, I just walked in, I dropped my bag, and I said, well, let's get to battle here, boys. Yeah, let's and go for it. All the guys, you know, were really excited to see me, and the energy kind of changed in the room, and we actually went out and won two hockey games that weekend. Wow. And yeah. We got to crack a couple beers on a Sunday afternoon in Williamsport. Uh, what's the stadium called? I it's Bauman Field, right? Bauman Field, yeah. yeah. So cracked a couple beers right on the field, and... Kicked the skates back, uh, you know, had a Labatt Blue, and wow. watched the days go by. That's crazy. <laughs> you So you came and literally what you had predicted. You know, th- th- I will say this, though. That coach did take the over on that. Yeah. I mean. He did. He only did. by two months, but still, though. No, he, he, was, he had a little bit. He was like, yeah, he got, got there. And he got me there, for sure. <laughs> what, you know, sometimes... And I don't know why I feel this way so often, but sometimes like when we live in this internet world where everybody is commenting and I I think we both saw a comment this summer that was on one of your statuses that we really didn't like. We're not going to say who made that comment or going to, but the guy was basically, the the guy was basically ranking on the federal league and the players that were in the league. And I just think that, People have absolutely no idea what goes into actually making the whole thing happen. It's yep. uh, it's just like it, a lot goes into putting on professional hockey games, especially in some of these communities where, let's just say, a lot of them where hockey has been before and, and maybe the bigger kind of corporate support is just not there. And for the people who are replacing, who are following that, like they are in Binghamton right now, uh, where Binghamton had an AHL team for many, many years. It was a league of, it's a league, it's a developmental league of the NHL, right? And yeah. they're gone. And now an independent operation that plays against Danbury and the Federal League is in there. And it's a, it's a more community-based thing, you know. So, I, I wonder if the. The question is. You responded nicely on on Facebook to that guy, but how do you respond to that so our listeners could understand, you know, people criticizing the level or things like that? Yeah, listen, a lot of those people that have have a lot to say, like you said, they don't have a full full understanding of of what the game is, what it can do, and, and what it does for... Not only the people that live in it, but, you know, the communities that are surrounded. Um, so it's, you know, it's it's unfortunate that there's some people that, that can always find the negative in something. Um, but when you're talking about minor pro hockey, you know, we were talking to our guys today. It's we have to find guys that are willing to work towards solutions. And, you know, we don't make the paychecks. We don't play in the big rinks. You know, we don't have a huge staff. Um, but we can't complain about it. We can't whine about it. We have to find a way to make it exactly what it needs to be for our community, for the players, and we need to make sure it's an environment that people are going to get better in, they're going to be challenged in, and they're going to find ways to succeed, um, you know, within those challenges. I think that, like, even some people, I mean, Pat, you weren't really here for the first season of the pro hat tricks, but even yeah. like even some of the impact on the local kids, I'm not even sure the people that come every week to the rink kind of know. Like, look at that one kid that you guys had that played a couple of seasons ago. He wasn't here for very long. I believe his first name was Nick. Uh, Italian uh, last name. Is it? You thinking Di Nicola? Yes. Yep. I mean, look at that kid. He took the opportunity that he got playing with you guys. I mean, I, you know, I don't know why he left or whatever, but he took that opportunity, 
the kids played in Italy the last couple of years. I'm yep. sure that opportunity here was a good showcase for his his talent to get at least a unique opportunity to play in a place. I think he's in Como, Italy, playing. Yep. You know, so I think that's what it's about to a degree with with this level. You know, it is. It's it's opening doors for for these guys, right? And you know, that's why I got into coaching is to provide a better opportunity than I had for these for these guys. Um, and I was pretty lucky in the game, but you know, if you can work hard, give everything you have uh, to this game and to the people around around you, you know, it's going to give it's going to give back to you too. And whether that happens within the game or maybe it's after the game, but you know, to allow these guys to experience what this world has to offer and to be able to do that through the game of hockey, it's it's pretty special. Just one quick question that comes to mind would be probably cool to know for some people how did you and because you guys were you know you were part of you had played down south for a long time and then you were part of the jersey fhl team how did you and herm who's been the danbury guy now for so long how did you guys get together to to work on this hatricks organization yeah well it really goes back to um you know i was poking a little bit of fun at herm there when we beat him in the in the finals here in danbury and <laughs> You know, Herm's a very passionate guy. He, he understands the game. He knows the game. And um, we were fortunate enough to lift, you know, the, the cup in Danbury in front of a really passionate fan base. And uh, I'll never forget, Herm came on the ice after, and, and he said, hey, man, I just want to introduce myself. My name's Herm Sorcher, and I got to tell you, I, I love the way you play the game. I respect who you are. You know, every time you come in this building, he says, you got 2,000 fans that hate you. They're screaming at you. And he's like, you find a way just to keep playing and come back in this building and do it all over again. And so that was the initial introduction from Herm. And, you know, I, I certainly respected the operation that the Danbury Whalers had. So we kind of just exchanged information and, you know, kept in touch. And when, um, when the Whalers didn't work out and... Um, you know, we were try Herm was trying to find a team in, in Danbury. I, I know he kept calling me and just picking my brain about different locations. If it wasn't going to be in Danbury, where could we find a team? Wow. So we, we were really, you know, just feeding off each other and each other's passion. And um, eventually one day he called me and said, hey, Danbury Ice Arena's back and Danbury Hockey's back. And do you want to be a part of it? And, uh, you know, the, the quick answer was... Let's go. So I was about to say that this this is your fourth year up here. Going to start your fourth year up here. Director of hockey operations, head coach. We, we you touched on it right there, but I really wanted to get to it on the show. What was your impression of Dan Barry? I mean, had you ever played here prior to? You never played in the UHL, right? In those days, no, no, no and I didn't really know, you know, about the the Danbury Trashers. Um, I wasn't really privy to that information. Wow. Um, but again, I was kind of like at the beginning of social media, so yeah, that, yeah. that wasn't really readily widespread and available. Um, so unless you were really in it, you didn't know how to experience it or know what it was. But I mean, when I got here, I came. I came from Huntsville, which. You know, it's a very passionate fan base, uh, a building that holds about 6,000. And, you know, we won championships down there and in front of that fan base. And when I played in the league in, in New Jersey, you know, I saw that in, in Danbury. And, you know, there's we were playing in a smaller rink. So it's there's times where you think, man, I'd love to play in front of that fan base. I'd love to play in that building. 
Um, so I, you could recognize it right away, and you know, Section 102 is is what they are. Um, so it was it was something that we were able to identify pretty quickly, and something I knew I wanted to be a part of. You've got the Canada and Michigan kind of background going. How do you compare, like around here, to the hockey culture around where you you come from? Yeah, I would say in the Northeast in general, it's, you know, there's a little bit more skill involved in the game, especially nowadays. Uh, you know, the Midwest, a little bit grittier, the Canadians a little bit grittier. Um, but out here, it's it's all speed and skill. And, you know, if you look around, um, if you look around the hockey teams in our area, they all have, you know, skills coaches that, that are working with them, right? Like even you look at our organization, we got Matthias Kasich, who used to play for us on our FPHL team, and you know now he's just he's driving the skill portion of the game, and he's doing a lot for our communities, a lot for the youth kids around here, and that's really starting to change the game. Where in the mid, in the Midwest, it's a little bit more blue collar, um, a little bit more physical. You know the, the animal, the animal. Oh, joy! Yeah, and those guys wanted me to ask you what you think about that section. We um, love it. We love it. I, I wish they could grow that section a little bit more and maybe spread it all the way down to the suites because when they get stomping and they get hollering, they're they're loud and they're effective. I yeah. think that that's 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 the thing. It's like some people who haven't been to these games just don't know the atmosphere. It's great. It's unbelievable yeah. for a it's, hockey game. It's something that you've probably never seen before. I mean, a lot of people came out with that documentary in mind. They watched it. So there's a lot of 102 people, like a lot of people going there. But yeah. I feel in this era, I feel 208 is the new 102. So hot take for that. <laughs> even the defenseman, I don't know if you caught that, even the defenseman from Binghamton last season, his brother wanted to sit in the section so bad. He was sitting there with a Binghamton jersey on. <laughs> and he was like, they were like taking all funny pics with him and like muffing him out and stuff. It was really cool. And what about Daniel Amesbury? He came out of the Ice Wars event uh you know, kind of created by AJ Galante and hosted by AJ. How did you pick him up, and what what have you seen from him? And I know he's been in town about a week. Yeah, I mean, it's been great having Danny here. Um, he's just a true competitor in every sense of the word, and he's been a, been away from the game a little bit, but uh, he's really been working hard on getting back up to speed here. His conditioning's there. Just got to work on. Uh, you know a little bit of the hands and feet and um, getting him up to up to game speed but um, you know we're really excited to have him and I know you know defending his teammates and, and defending our our organization defending the city is something that he's uh, extremely passionate about you think he's going to be a fan favorite there's no question he's going to be a fan favorite oh, yeah. here that's, should, that's should people like. get to their seats early on Friday night I wouldn't waste a puck drop I'll just put it that way <laughs> there, there you go that's a go. good guarantee. That's, that's, a scene. that's like the Danbury Messier guarantee, kind of like you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna win. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Fun. Oh, it, well, no guaranteed win nights though, because that that didn't go well for Elmira. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the guaranteed <laughs> they folded win the night. next year, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They yeah, yeah. The next year, guaranteed win night. Um, let me just one couple more questions, Billy. I'm gonna let you go. You've been really great tonight. Uh, as far as the roster, right? The, the, we saw so many changes last season, a lot of turnover. How much turnover do you anticipate this season? Well, listen, I hope I hope not a lot, right? If um, if that's the case, then we've really done a good job on our scouting, our recruiting, and our vetting of these players. But 
you know, it is it is pro hockey, and you know, anytime you get a chance to upgrade, if you can make that upgrade, you know, our commitment is to having the best team possible. So sometimes you have to make some tough decisions and bring some guys in, which pushes guys out. Um, but that's the nature of the beast. I know if uh, we have our expectations this weekend, um, if we hit those expectations, that's great. We'll keep rolling with the group we have. But if we fall short of those expectations, we have to identify where we fell short and, and how to fix those shortcomings. Friday night, the game is at Danbury Ice Arena. They'll play at 7.30 and then they'll play Saturday night at 7. Billy, tell us, what do you know about this Delaware team coming in? I think they they did they steal a victory on the last game of the season from us last year. I I honestly I don't recall. There were so many hockey games yeah. last year. Um, I think they did. I think they I, did. I remember that very like and, one vividly. Uh, yeah, one forward who it was his first game. I think he had three points. It's a it's a you never know. Kind of a situation in this league, Billy. How how do you prepare in the you never know league? You know. Yeah, I mean, you just prepare for yourself. Uh, we can't really, especially for your first two games. There's no video on them, so we just have to worry about how we play our game and and you know if we hit those details. If we're the harder working team, uh, we're able to you know put more shots on their net. We're able to defend more efficiently than they are. Uh, you know, I really believe in our guys. I believe that we've got more skill than they do. I believe we've got more want to, more jam, more physicality. We've got guys that are willing to shed the mitts. And, I, you know, I don't know that they have that, but I don't think they have it to the level that we do. So if we just play our game and we don't beat ourselves, we should be fine. You do so much through the hat trick. Sometimes you're playing. Sometimes you're uh, helping the team set up a night dedicated to the Little Miracles Foundation what are the dates that are circled on the calendar for you coming up? Uh, I wish I had my calendar in front of me. <laughs> um, but really, it was just looking forward to this weekend. Um, you know, we don't want to turn our attention ahead. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, we did have a, a great meeting with the Tiny Miracles Foundation actually today. Uh, we'll be rolling out some more information about, about that night, um, you know, coming up. But... Again, it's everything's about this weekend and, and making sure the fans that are coming into the building have a great experience. Uh, they enjoy the facility. They enjoy the product on the ice. And, you know, it's been a while here. It's been a long summer, and we can't wait to just get these uh, these next few hours over and done with and get on the ice. Billy, thanks for coming in. It's really great. You know, we're going to see you every week, and hopefully you'll check in back with us as the show goes on. Of course. Anytime you guys need me, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, me. and you're more than welcome to be here at any time. Trust is something we take very seriously. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Trust me, I'm a lawyer. Trust me, I'm a contractor. But these days, knowing who to trust isn't so simple, especially when it comes to insurance fraud. While most professionals are honest and trustworthy, there are some who rely on your trust to collect billions of dollars in phony insurance claims. Whether it's medical fraud related to car accidents or contractor fraud in the aftermath of a storm or other natural disaster, if someone wants you to get involved in something because the insurance companies can afford it, don't walk away, run. Insurance fraud is a crime and everyone pays for it, especially the ones who get caught. If you suspect insurance fraud, call us at 1-800-TELL-NICB or text the keyword fraud to tip 411. We've been fighting insurance fraud and vehicle theft and earning your trust for 100 years.
A public service message from the National Insurance Crime Bureau. You're listening to WXCI Danbury on FM at 91.7 and streaming online at WXCI.org. Live here from Western Connecticut State University. Welcome back to Hattrick City. We have a second special guest. A really special guest. I would like you to introduce him because this is like... Ladies and gentlemen listening out there, we have a very special guest in Danbury. He's he's contributed so much to the Danbury identity over the last 20 years. I really don't know if there's anybody else who has. We have Dom Alessandro here. He's a native of this area, and he is the creator of the Danbury Trashers logo and the best subsequent Danbury hockey logos that followed, the Danbury Whalers, Titans, and of course, your Danbury Hattricks logo. So, Dom, it's a pleasure to have you on Hattrick City, our first, really our first episode here on WXCI 91.7. Wow, guys, thank you. It's it's uh, it's my honor to be here on your first episode. Um, it's been fun to be involved in all of the identities along the way, and yeah, thanks for asking me. Dom, so... For the people out there who really haven't gotten a chance to know your background, where are you actually from? Where did you grow up? I actually grew up right next door in New Fairfield. Uh, my wife and I met there, high school sweethearts. Um, I currently live in Danbury, but uh, I went to Syracuse University, studied communication design, and after college went right to the city working in New York City for a pretty prominent branding and package design firm. Um, and then uh, moved back to the neighborhood in uh, 1999. Uh, we bought a house in Danbury. Yep. Wow. One of my favorite stories that you've shared with me over the years, I, I'm sure you know what it is, is that um, you did some design work for Pepsi kind of in your early early part of your career, and you designed the the really cool if anybody out there is, this was way before Pat was born. This was, you weren't even, your parents didn't even know each other when, when, when Dom did this. But well, he hold on, hold on. What, what I got to know the year on this because that might. What year was it? Uh, 1992, I think. Okay, uh, my parents didn't know each other. The Pepsi <laughs> Summer Cool Cans. Yes. It definitely was one of the biggest thrills of my career looking back. But I was only like three years out of college and the firm that I was working for had Pepsi as a client and it was the first time they decided to design uh, play with the the base design and come up with a series of summer cool cans and uh, my design was chosen it was a surfer and it's, it's called the surfer can and um, yeah you could find it it's they they sell on eBay for like two dollars <laughs> <laughs> Tell us uh, a little bit about that time, though. Did you, were you when did you start getting not not design wise, but when did you get into hockey even casually as a fan? Yeah, well, back then it was like when the Rangers first won the cup, or when they won it in the '90s, and so I was in New York and started to follow them and get the hockey bug. But we always played as kids on the ponds and lakes. Candlewood Lake and Squans Pond and um, uh, Williams Pond in New Fairfield. But I never played organized hockey at all. So uh, when we moved back to Danbury, I took my kids down to the rink to an open skate 
and with my old pond hockey skates and thought, wow, this is fun. You know, I, I miss this. And I went to the front desk and, and said, do, do you have anything for adults, any hockey for adults? And at the time, they had classes on Sunday nights. This is the Danbury Arena. Yeah, the Danbury Arena. This is so, before the renovations, right? Uh, no, this was, yeah, way before the renovations. But they had just opened. So they're, they're, they had trouble with construction way back then. Um, and it changed owners before it was it was finished, and it's a long story. But um, so I was taking classes on Sunday nights, um, and then one of the guys in, in the class at, had a spot on his team, asked me to play. Um, so I started just started in the D League, but it's it's just such a great sport. The like the speed and hanging out with the guys in the locker room, you know, there's no, nothing beats it. So go into a lot of people may wonder why you're here because we're just having these beer league convos right now, right? Yeah. But <laughs> but but tell me, you know, where do where does the concept of the Danbury you you've told me before kind of when we spoke in privately, but again for our audience, where does the Danbury Trashers and the Galantes come into your life and how does this how does this opportunity get yeah. presented to its to your to you? <laughs> it's kinda like the two worlds collide in my graphic design career and my love of hockey sort of collided. So I was living in Danbury, commuting to the city on the train and had an office started I started my own agency at the time with my business partner Chris Weber. So we're Alessandro Weber Design, AW Design for short. Um, we were working on mostly consumer products, big brands, uh, package design, and logos. And I was skating at the rink, getting into uh, the adult league, when there was an article in the newspaper announcing that the Danbury Trashers, or they didn't even announce the name, it just said the next day or this week there was going to be a... Uh, press conference announcing a new professional hockey team in Danbury. So my wife texted me on the train. She's like, what's, you know, what is this? You've got to get involved. So I looked at the article and I started sketching some ideas. Um, they must have said it was the Trashers because I was working on a logo for that. And when I got into the office um, and I, I told everyone in the office about about what was going down in Danbury and I had this one sketch of of the garbage can with a monster coming out and the idea that it wasn't it wasn't the can wasn't the monster the monster was in the can so our account executive at the time said we should send this to them and I said well that's not really how we work like we usually get hired first we have a proposal they agree upon the terms and we do an exploratory of ideas I just really had this one sketch and she said no 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 let's let's send it to them and let's see what they say so we'd send a FedEx with a black and white sketch and the next day Jimmy called us like 10 30 in the morning and the press conference was like two days after that and he said, he's like, I love this logo. I want it. We, we have stuff in the works, like jerseys are being produced right now, but I put the stop on it. I want you to come to the press conference and talk about next steps. So that's how, that's how it all went down. And, and it was fun for me. We weren't doing a lot of sports 
you know, branding, but the skill set is the same, you know, designing a logo for whether it's on a cereal package or it's on a jersey. The style, the skill set is still the same. Yeah. You know what's crazy about that? I actually heard that story like secondhand from AJ. <laughs> I um I interview him here on the radio, I think it was back in January, and I heard that same thing. It was you're on the train, yeah. facts, and then the rest is history because yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, he was telling me that the logo they had was just trashers with like this weird like hockey stick. I've seen underneath. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that thing that wouldn't have flown at all. I don't think the legacy would have been as big yeah. if it wasn't for you stepping in and getting that like there. <laughs> yeah, what they had it was kind of a retro type type treatment. They did have a patch of like a skull and crossbones coming out of a can. But when we were developing this logo, um, you know, with Jimmy, a lot of the talk was about creating something that was mean but not scary because the audience was going to be young kids. And we want families to come to the rink and, and enjoy hockey. So it was even we did a study on just the eyes and, and specifically showed Jimmy like, I don't know, 20 different ways you can render the eyes. And so it was it was interesting process, but they were very involved in all of it. We ended up designing the bus. We did a wrap for their team bus. It was really exciting. We did wrap the Zamboni. We did signage around the inside of the arena. It was a lot of fun. A big mural upstairs in the arena of like a, a slap shot series of the character shooting. I have pictures of all those and it's really good memories. Just to put things in perspective a little bit or just uh, I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this question but this is a minor league team yeah it's it's coming to a place that's it's not not a remote location but it's far from New York City far from uh, the kind of the footprint what what was driving you and your team to to kind of land the opportunity to 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 be the logo creators and to be the, the, the agency behind it? Well, for me, the motivation was, you know, I'm at the rink all the time, and I want to see this this be successful. I want to see it be a, become a part of the community, you know. Um, and for the team, it, it was exciting to just work on something different, you know, event graphics or uh, sports branding is a whole field by itself and we're primarily just working on package design so it, w it was a lot of fun just to, to dabble in it you know and one thing is, is you know Dom you're really modest like a lot of the designs people see around town or know of from this city you are behind and I don't think like, I don't know if everybody knows he did the Ice Wars lo uh, logo yeah and uh, so AJ and I have kept in touch over the years you know there was for most people, it's been an 18-year gap, but we helped AJ with uh, some logos for his fighters over the years. Uh, Delvin Rodriguez, back in the day when, when AJ first started promoting, AJ called us up for that. He was a very active boxer, yeah. uh, Delvin Rodriguez from Danbury. Yep. And that was exciting to see that. We went to one of his fights in the, in the city. <clears throat> um, and then AJ recently... Uh, started the ice wars and, and called us up for that so you can imagine he has so many 
contacts now that and people that are just throwing stuff at him for free and and for him to you know come up with budget to hire us again was was uh really an honor tell me dom through the years and and not everybody knows talk about you know obviously pat Pat was in a, a dilemma this afternoon because he wasn't quite sure what jersey he was going to wear. Yeah, so I have a plethora. So I got Trashers, Whalers, and Hattricks. I felt, well, <laughs> Trashers, everybody wears that. That's kind of, you know, I mean, I, I like the jersey, don't get me wrong, but it's like, got to do something, you know, whatever. And Hattricks seemed too obvious. And I was like, well, no one really talks about the Whalers that much. However, this is that 10th anniversary season when they last won is that championship. Really? Yeah, Herm is going to make a big deal. They're, they're okay. going to make a big deal with this alumni game Herm, well, this year. Oh. But yeah, so I Maybe figured I was like, a logo too. Yeah, but I was <laughs> like, well, I, I think this has just got to be the one to wear. Opportunity <laughs> knocking there, Don. I appreciate that. Is the probably my favorite one out of uh, everything we've worked on because it's so classic and uh, like I was saying, like the Hartford Wellers logo is so classic. Like it was, it was tough. Like, how do you come up with something that could be in the same camp as that? And so, you know, I knew I wanted to do something to ground it in Danbury with a D. So then, how do you how do you relate it to the whalers? And when I found the the whale tail in the D, it was like you know a home run, like one of those spark moments that you love to have as a creative. From a design perspective and the perspective of an amateur hockey player, or adult hockey player, what are your favorite NHL logos? If you hold them wow. on one hand. <laughs> well, I'm a Ranger fan, so I, I would say that's my favorite one to wear. Um, and, you know, how the heck could they ever redesign that? You know, that's that's a tough one. Um, and then I, I like... I like the classic uh, simple logos. Like I like the Calgary Flames, the C with the flames come off, coming off of it, and their simple colors. Um, but that's one of our goals is to try to take some of this hockey experience now that we have in the minor leagues, and you know get drafted up to the majors. So we've been trying to contact people in the NHL. They have their own art department, and then. Of course, the jersey suppliers have their own art department, so it's really tough to break into. There's so many talented designers out there. You know, you just go online and see see what people are doing. You know, for free in their mom's basement. It's 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 Aesthetics. a lot of competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I will say with that though, Bridgeport needs you. Yeah, I'm gonna say Bridgeport that right now. Islanders. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> that it's was like, really. Uh, I'm not going to say what it was on the air because I don't know if we can, but it was disappointing to say yeah. the very least. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we could say I, it was. I tough. never like to talk about another graphic designer's work because somebody did that, but yeah. it's 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 a missed opportunity. You know, when you do a redesign, you you need to find the right people and spend spend a good amount of time on it. Sometimes it comes down to budget when people just want you know teams or associations don't have a lot of money. You know, and someone's nephew that is studying graphic design, you know. Well, it's just one of those things, right? So it's like Connecticut. In Connecticut, we had the greatest – Had Connecticut had the greatest NHL logo ever in Hartford. Ever. ever period. Ever. Done. Just in my mind, it's the greatest. <laughs> okay, but 
Then you have the three teams in the metropolitan area, and you know you have the Rangers. The Rangers is basically you know it, it, it evolved out of the owner's nickname, kind of for the team. The Islanders, uh, the Islanders, it's it's still the craziest and most stupidest name, and the one that is always it, it's it's always they're always trying to redesign it. They're always trying to reinvent the Islanders. It's it's especially ever since the '90s when they started with the Fishermen. I think the New Jersey Devils is a fantastic logo that doesn't need to change at all. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you something, Dom. We're here for giggles now. If we gave you the opportunity. Just, just to share your thoughts with us, we gave you the opportunity to redesign the Islanders logo. Now, are we talking Bridgeport or New York? Or no, the both? New the New York Islanders. Okay. The 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 the, the <laughs> NHL team that plays at UBS. I'd yes, rather have a my, shot at the the Bridgeport one. I was gonna oh, okay. say, yeah. Okay, you so, so so if you say, my question <laughs> is, what's the imagery that you as as a designer would embrace? I mean, you're on the island. There's, you know, they they tried. I, you, the thing is, you can't be too literal. That's what kills a logo too. Um, so they tried the Gorton's Fisherman logo. They tried the lighthouse, and those make okay secondary logos. But you have to try to isolate that one piece that is gonna make it iconic. And the shape of a map is isn't quite there yet so you know you'd really have to search and maybe do some research uh, of the island and what other industries were there you know like the whalers came out of the fact that there used to be a big whaling community in Groton Connecticut and and so there's some history to that so you 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 sort of start there look for that and then um, you have to stick with the colors no doubt um yeah it's a tough like if you start to think about it they really kind of put themselves in a corner yeah with the name of the team no i agree with that i mean even though it's my favorite team i i love them to death but definitely like you limit yourself when you just name the island and then you just put long island as like a whole thing yeah and it's a tough one you can't even shorten that you know some teams will shorten their name Make it sound cooler, like the Hurricanes or the Canes, you know. Yeah, like, they they try for the Isles, but Isles. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it's not. I I I do. I I guess I would identify as an Islanders fan, but the it, Isles isn't mess, menacing at all. You know, it's just kind of. I think of groceries. You know what I mean? And going down the aisles in the grocery store. Right. <laughs> that's what it. That's what it feels like at times. Dom, you are a season ticket holder to the Hat Tricks. Yeah. Uh, you've been going to games for years. Question I have, what are you excited about this season? What And, and you're you're also billeting, right? Yeah, unfortunately, last week our billet got traded. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, out of Danbury. Oh, so Where's it's a very gone? emotional time for the family. <laughs> but it's a great opportunity. He went to New Jersey, Titans. Wow, yeah, they're a yeah, good team. And, oh, okay. and he was uh, honorable mention for player of the week for the NAL. So it's making an immediate impact for him. So we're, we're excited for him. But, yeah, I've been um, – they they graciously um, give me season tickets every year uh, for being associated with the team and helping out with all the graphics. Um, and our, our whole family really enjoys it. If you haven't been to a game, you have to go. It's, it's, the, it's such a fun time, and they put so much energy into it. There's a band playing in the lobby. It's, it's a great night out. There's, 
really nothing else like it in the area, right? Speaking of people who don't go, let's bring up some beer league guys that you know. They might not be listening to the show, but they <laughs> they don't go. It was Ron Moore and Ron Quinn. Now, these guys love hockey. They're crazy about hockey. Yep. They'll drive three and a half hours or whatever to go to a Philadelphia Flyers game on a Wednesday night. But you'll never really catch them down at the hat trick team. Do you, what do you think? Um, what can you say that people are missing? Well, if, that's why I, I see so much potential for them still because they're, they're – their core fans of the hockey community don't even really know the you know how much fun it is. So it's a matter of getting people out there. You know, even the the NAL team. We have this NAHL team at the rink in the three NHL. Um, these are junior teams. This is high level level hockey. It's really fast. These are uh, the junior teams are kids that are. After high school, they're playing for a few years before they go to college, and they're all looking for a D1 college commitment. That's why they're playing. So we have some really grassroots hockey at the arena now. And what's what's really different about – I think some people are skeptical too because so many teams have come and gone. And one point that people don't realize is things are different now in terms of the ownership of the rink. So the owners of the rink actually own the team. So it's a very different um, dynamic. So before you would have the team owners, even the trashers, trashers didn't own the rink. They, they were tenants. They, they were all were tenants. tenants. Yeah. They're all tenants. So you have to pay the rink and then you have to sell tickets to recoup that money just for the ice time. So now it's a different dynamic. And so people will always ask me, the hat trick's here for long, like are they here to stay? And and I say yes, because unless the ownership decides to leave, then it's, then it's a different story. But we have a much more stable uh, situation now. So I would tell people, go ahead and get the hat tricks tattoo because they're going to be here for a while. <laughs> I mean, I would get it regardless, you know. Are that, you going to get it? Oh, hell yeah. I think you should get it on your face. Oh I, I still want to have a job opportunity, though. Right, so yeah, it's a job I've, se I've seen trasher tattoos and I've seen hat tricks tattoos also. And, and it, it kind of freaks me out that someone would think that much of something I drew to put it permanently on their body. <laughs> well, it's going to be me soon. I'm going to get the whole th all three that you've done. I'm going to get all of them Come right on the arm. Get it like a great sleeve. idea. Oh my goodness! I mean, oh, you know. Oh, and then I got to incorporate the Titans in there too. That's my bad. But <laughs> that's going to be a sleeve. And you know the guy, um, guy by the name of Alec Olin Salen, who runs the Five for Fighting podcast. He's got a couple of Trasher tattoos. Really? Yeah, he, he's Ooh. got a couple of Trasher tattoos. Ooh. So it's it's and it's interesting. I actually showed uh, Jimmy Galante uh, a picture of Alec and I said this guy's never been to Danbury I showed the, the, the guy who has wow. the tattoos has never set foot in the city That's so it, it really is it really is kind of mind-blowing who are your favorite players on the team now I mean do you follow close enough to know these guys well I know Johnny Ruiz yeah. you know is back and and uh Benel is back and um so that's exciting but I don't I don't follow it too much um you know, I'll go. I'll go to every game practically, but um, yeah, yeah. 
course. Um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. Why could you lose your train of thought? I don't know. My The tracks in my mind for that train are not always, you know, like stable. You know what I mean? Well, I know where to pick up. I recently <laughs> interviewed Dom for Men's Journal Magazine's winter issue, believe it or not, this is all true, about his backyard hockey rink and all the work he's done to it by lighting it and creating a little spot for him and his buddies to hang out. And I who recently moved to Connecticut. I think outdoor hockey is pretty much the coolest thing I have access to for free in this whole state, uh, to be honest. So, Dom, how long have you had the rink, and what's the plan, and and what's the plan for getting it ready for the winter? Oh, yeah, the rink is, is uh, legendary. Um, <laughs> anyone that's friends with me on Facebook, see, you know, looks forward to the picture every you know opening skate every year which is usually the first week in december um but i've been building it um right around the time of the trashers like my wow. whole passion for hockey and then the trashers happen my one of my earliest pictures on the rink is um i'm in a trashers jersey with all the kids my daughter and all their friends around and now these kids are all graduating from college so it's it's pretty amazing but so I've been building it about 18 years, about 18 years. And uh, it, it can't get any bigger because of the size of my yard and the slope, but it's 32 feet by 72 feet. And I light it up with lights. We play Friday night lights. We can play three on three adult hockey back there and hang out with the campfire and drink some beers. And there's nothing like it being outside in the middle of the winter. You know, when most people are just complaining, complaining, and we're out there getting exercise and having a blast. It's crazy. This is Danbury Hattrick's head coach, Billy McCreary, and you're listening to Hattrick City Radio on WXCI 91.7 FM. See, uh, that's the one redeeming quality about the winter. I hate the winter with a passion, <laughs> but that, really? that I will yeah, be excited for. I mean, you know, I've been in Connecticut my whole life, all 19 years and counting. Um, the snow gets tiring about, you know, when, when you become like an adult, that's not like, Oh, we're oh. Gonna go play in the snow. <laughs> the 19 year old is telling us about becoming an adult. Hey, I, listen, man, I I'm got telling it. you what I'm experiencing. No, when you're, <laughs> you're right there up but on adulthood, son. You're right I'm just there saying, at the look, top of it. When you get a car, the snow, the whole idea of it changes. <laughs> Sucks to drive in. You got to clean your car off. It's not like, Oh, we're going to go. I'm gonna go to the hill, sled down. You should get you should get yourself a hockey stick to clean the car off with, because it sounds like you're never gonna get on skates. Who said come that? by the rink? Hold on, who said I'm never getting on skates? We're all waiting for it. You had the head coach of the hat tricks in here earlier. You could have asked him for a pair of skates, gloves, a I stick. I got skates for you. Come to Whoa. the back. You got for, come for over these to feet? the rink. Yep. For the size, size 14. 14. I got 14. Come oh, on. let's go. Yeah. One hey, of my daughter's go. friends were skating. With a uh, big, big skates. Come on, yeah. Wow. People oh, just sweet. give get, will just give me skates now. Like <laughs> they just drop them off, and I don't even know who they just leave them in the middle of the winter. I'll come home, and they're on the outside bench. There'll be a bag full of stuff. Wow. So you, get, you well, have you have skates. my number. So whenever the rink is done, <laughs> that's a promise, and we're gonna get footage of that and post it on the Hattrick City Instagram oh, account, yes. which we have, which yeah. we have, by the way. Yo, you know what? That that should be the next. At next underscore thing. Hattrick City. The, the Hattrick City Classic. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. With all the benders. Me. All the benders. Yeah. Yeah. Three, we do three Dom, on three, three, three on three, Ron, three backyard Ron. rink. 
Oh my God. Uh, no, I oh, think yeah. it would be great. Dom, before we let you go tonight, it's, it's really been a pleasure to have you in here and, and, and hearing all the stories, but, uh, I want to ask you this because it's on the tip of my tongue. If you, we asked you what you would do with the Islanders, but this is a different question. If you could redesign any jersey in the NHL, what would it be? Oh my gosh! Because you already said the Rangers would be a big challenge. Uh, what what one would you love to play with? You know, I have to think about this. Hmm. I don't know. There's some really good ones. The excitement is building. It's building. Yeah, like, I think the whole world is waiting for this answer. <laughs> this is like... <laughs> this is where you're going to have to cut. <laughs> controversial. I'm, I'm very visual. I have to see them all to... Can we, can we get them all up? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> see if you can get, like, a... A graphic of all NHL logos. This is me Googling everyone out loud. Let's see. Oh, and you know what? This could like, this could tie into like a, well, because I don't, are you going to like redesign just the main? Because I'm also thinking like reverse retro is a thing too. So there's a, but that's more like tapping it. Yeah, so. the reverse retro. We'll leave it things. alone with the, just change their main jersey. Yeah, seriously. Well, I don't know. I don't get the coyotes, you know. The I don't, I don't. I know a lot of people like it. The the uh, the Kachina, yeah, the Kachina Southwestern theme. Um, I just don't get it, and they need help anyway. <laughs> I get you no know, one that really stands out is the Senators, the Ottawa Senators. Really, that, that could use some help, like you know, um, moving away from. I think we're as a society moving away from these human humanoid logos mm -hmm. um so but without changing the name what else can you do right without showing a literal face of, of uh well it could be some type of building or i don't know yeah uh, well, well, i think the I think that would be fun to work on one of the like the original concepts for them was it was like a clock tower type deal but no one messed with it <laughs> what do you yeah, think it could be the gladiator kind of idea but yeah but more uh, you know, you have to suggest it's like the trasher, like you don't actually see the monster, right? It's suggested that he's in there. It, he's not the can, isn't what you're afraid of, you're afraid of what's in there. Yeah. So it's like the, the gladiator, you show his sword, not not his face, you know what I mean? See, I kind of like the coyotes, I just like I, I think I told you this once, Dom. Like, what was like. I don't know, like the most popular, two of the most popular things of the 90s, right? The Mighty Ducks and Taco Bell had a child, and it is the <laughs> Phoenix Coyotes, <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes. I, I like it. I That's like a funky awesome. thing. But let's, I really want to do this with you, Dom. Let's just, uh, again, I don't want you to say anything bad, but like, let, let's go backwards a little bit. <laughs> Seattle Kraken, is it a pass or a fail from your... From oh, your, it's a home run. Really? Yeah. Okay. The Kraken's a home run. Wow. Do you want the to say why? It, the thing I love about it, well, it's 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 the letter, right? It's the letter form that they made into the monster. And again, they don't actually show the monster. It's a lot like the treasures where you just see the eye, right? And uh, 
you know, I'm glad they didn't actually do a complete drawing of the monster. Like the way they drew the tentacles is really well done. Uh, the colors are amazing and unique. Um, they just came out with the mascot, which is a little strange disconnect for me, but I'm not sure how the fans feel about the the new mascot, Bowie. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not even, like, a fan of, like, that team, and I was already like, this is stupid. They had, like, it's right there. Well, no, like a, I'm glad they didn't actually show the monster again. Like, Oh, crack, you know what? Yeah, you know? all right, I, like, to, to I, his point, To yeah. just have an octopus running around, like, that's too easy that's not you still want to do we think that a danbury hatrix mascot would scare the kids like a big rabbit well it depends um it depends on what herm splurges for <laughs> oh that's a good question. so he could be well done could yeah. be like some it messed up old easter yeah. bunny outfit yeah, that's just exactly. not from like the 60s not up to like par a, yeah yeah from a horror movie set um dom let's go back again I, I'm I'm really curious about this. Your thoughts on the Vegas uh, Golden Knights look? Yeah, the Vegas is the other, you know, one that's been redesigned recently, and I like it. It's it's a, you know it, I love finding things like you find the letter V in in the helmet. Um, it's well done. The colors are amazing, and what they do with the uniforms. And the sparkle and the metallic helmets, white gloves, like they're really having fun with it. And, yeah, I love that one. And I actually, when we were working on the Titans, we had a similar concept that I emailed. I knew, had a buddy that was working at the NHL in the design group, and I sent him the exploratory for the Titans because we had the same exact concept but with a T mm -hmm. replacing the V and actually worked much better because – the center is where the nose and the mouth would be, and the T is where the eyes would be. So a T works better in that in that uh, shape. What about? And these are just a couple of random ones, but I want to know your opinion about the the logo that once was the Hartford Whalers. What do you think of the Carolina Hurricanes logo? Um, I like the colors. You know, and um, <laughs> I guess we got the answer, but. Um. Yeah, it's it's it's. I guess it's a swirling uh, shape, swirling hurricane. What about last one? What about the Columbus Blue Jackets? I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I I like their secondary logos and like it's. You know, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I'm like, what the heck is it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's well. To tell you the truth, I, I designed TK's logo right down the street here, and that was an inspiration for TK's logo, taking the star and the and the. See, I I noticed that too. It's a good point. I figured yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah, I figured I have a T-shirt of that in the TK's logo. But it, it's you know it's different because the star is uh, what is making the the swirls on TK's and stuff, and you know we, nothing is is created from scratch right we're not reinventing the wheel every time these things exist a lightning bolt exists you know um a, um an avalanche exists it's the way what you combine it with and to make make it unique and and that's what makes a really strong logo is if you you know have multiple aspects to it like the danbury whalers it's a d but then you see the whale tail like that's that 
that's powerful to me. And then another another one that I'm seeing on there too, that Thrasher's logo. I know it's not much, but I want to know what you see in that, like with your designer's eye. Atlanta Thrasher's now relocated um, to Winnipeg. Yeah, the Atlanta Thrasher's. Well, it's a bird. It's a it's the Thrasher bird. bird. Yeah, yeah, it's their state bird or something. But of Georgia, yeah. You have the Minnesota Wild where you see, you know, the it's a bear's head. Some people don't see that, and but it's also like the uh, landscape of of the the trees and the and the setting moon. Do you like stuff. that one? Yeah, it's and it's well done. If I've been to one of their games, and man, that is you know, hockey central out there. They oh yeah, live and breathe their hockey. I heard it's one of the best atmospheres in the NHL. Yeah, the Blackhawks. I'm I'm not sure how we're still there because er, everyone's so woke right now. But I think that's something like how do you how do you move away from that? If 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 we if they have to, it would be such a shame. It's just so classic, and I think it pays homage to. Um, see, these are kind of old. Let's let's kind of see what they look like for this season. These are, seem like they're a little dated. Yeah, well, I mean, that goat head one for Buffalo, they are bringing that back. Is that right? What yeah. do you think about that? Yeah, thing? Buffalo, is, they seem to struggle with their identity. Man, it's changed colors. It's changed, uh, you I know. Think, I think that the, 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 you know, the actual Buffalo and the cross sabers <laughs> is pretty iconic, pretty well done. I mean. Yeah. yeah. It was just for like a stretch of time, they were just like, well, let's well, try that, and change it up. That they, one logo they had, they called the, the dead slug or something. Oh, the, the slug, like, yep. Felt so bad. I read an article about there was, you know, someone actually designed it and people were just killing it. Yeah. And the poor guy had sketches. He showed his whole exploratory. And this is sometimes, you know, the process gets away from you. As a graphic designer, you, you know, it gets designed by committee. And if there's some powerful personalities involved, they are going to make it what they want and you become a pair of hands. So that that's that's um, sometimes that happens. One thing I think that's pretty apparent in the NHL is that somebody high up at the NHL, even on just kind of on the team levels to I guess to a degree, I think if you win a Stanley Cup, they don't want you changing the jersey for a long time. They I, I think it sounds crazy. To, it might sound crazy to the average person, but just look at look at how it's been. I mean, the Anaheim Ducks are really stuck. Like those colors, everything, the whole scheme of their jersey, it just it just seems like another iteration of the same thing all the time. How do you feel about that logo, the Anaheim Ducks? People have talked about them might be ready they might be ready for a rebrand or what what do you think about Anaheim? Yeah, it's been around for a while. But the D that's uh you know, the Ducks Web foot, D. Yeah, the Web D is is pretty cool. It's pretty classic. I'd be psyched if I did it. But it is get is it is aging a little bit, um, and then the other team that people always talk about having no identity is the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I highly agree with you on that. I mean, I know for their reverse retro this year, that was like the first one to fully leak. Um, they're bringing back like this, um, like Abbotsford. Their AHL team uses the the lumberjack. They're putting that on because Johnny guess, Canuck. Yes. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that would be I, I guess that'd be a good one to go to if they got to ditch you know the traditional whale logo, but I don't know. That's just my Th- take. There's I, some that just shouldn't change. Boston, yeah. Montreal. I mean, well, the original six should not. Rangers. Change. Yeah, how could you change them? I mean, 
I think the Flyers is a good logo, mm -hmm. even though the name is arbitrary. You know, it's like the Flyers. Yeah. I guess they fly down the ice. <laughs> anyway, this has been really great having you in here, Dom. It's 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 really great to have you on one of our first episodes, having so much Danbury hockey history. So. Being on the first epi you know, first installment of Hattrick City Radio on WXCI ninety one point seven is it's great to have you here. Thank you, course. I really appreciate it. So I could talk for hours about hockey and design. The, my two passions colliding. So yeah, we, we got to have you back on. At yeah, some point. you got to yeah. come back later in the season, and we'll we'll talk about stuff. And and hopefully, you know, if we see some stuff on the ice from you this season, I know you got some specialty jerseys in the works with the Danbury team. Maybe we'll bring you back on to talk about them. Sure. Yeah. And, and come over uh, and skate in my backyard when we get it up and running. We'll see if we can get Pat up standing on skates. Oh, you'll, go, you'll get Pat. Me. Let's go. You got me already. Listen, I know how to skate already. It's just adding the speed and then For the hand-eye coordination. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Identity theft victims. If you suspect you're a victim of tax-related identity theft, go to irs.gov slash identity theft to learn how to prevent potential refund fraud and protect your tax account. At the IRS, combating tax-related identity theft is a top priority, and we are committed to prevention, detection, and assisting victims. And we're working with law enforcement to catch the criminals. For more info, go to irs.gov slash identity theft to learn what the IRS is doing to help protect you. This is DJ Uncle Matt with your Hack Trick City weekend game schedule. Friday, October 21st, the Danbury Hattricks play at home versus Delaware at 7.30 p.m. The Bridgeport Islanders are away at Providence, and all local NHL teams are off. Saturday, October 22nd, the Danbury Hattricks are at home again versus Delaware. Face-off is 7.30. Bridgeport is at home against Laval. The New York Islanders are away against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The New Jersey Devils host the San Jose Sharks, and Westcon Hockey is away against SUNY Maritime. Sunday, October 23rd, the Bridgeport Islanders host the Hartford Wolfpack at 3 p.m. The New York Islanders visit the Florida Panthers, and the New Jersey Devils host the Washington Capitals. WXCI 91.7 Westcon Radio, Danbury, Connecticut. We have a very, very special last minute addition yes, to the do. show we, we we're gonna give him a call he's he's known around town and the the person who really should introduce him is pat how would you introduce him if it was game night and your oh man what and our very he's like this guy's really special like it's i don't even know how to intro him how would you do it i don't know i mean and our Fearless leader of the Danbury Hatchers. Fearless leader, ecstatic personality, Just ecstatic on-ice host. Mr. Saturday Night of Danbury, Connecticut, in many ways, Herm Sorcher. Let's give him a call. Herm, are you there? Yes, I am. How you doing? Oh, my God. We got you on the phone. Let's go. Okay. Herm, what's going on? What's happened at Danbury Ice Arena today? I tell you, we're getting ready for opening night. Should be a big weekend. Uh, we got two games against the Delaware Thunder Friday and Saturday. The team's ready to go. And um, a lot of energy around this place. And fans are looking forward to us uh, dropping the puck. Herm, tell us about the changes people are going to see on game nights around 
around the arena this season. It looks like there's been a little transformation going on there. Yeah, we okay, we always are looking to add to uh, the fan experience and how can we improve it. And, uh, you know, some of the things that we've gone to, um, uh, I mean, I'll start in the parking garage. Like, when you come in, it's going to be a uh, like a passless system. So you need, it, it should be a quick, easy procedure. When a fan comes in, they will, they will pay for their fee. They'll get a ticket, and they'll punch in a code. So, you know, when, when uh, you get 600 cars leaving the parking garage, at the end of the night, you know, there's always a, there's always a bottleneck and a jam. So I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think that's going to be one improvement. Uh, another one is the ticketing system. We've got a new company, Tixer, T-I-X-R. They are uh, it's a, like a scanning type of system that, uh, you know, the days of the days of the hard ticket are really, uh, they really don't exist anymore. And this will be much easier. So fans will have their tickets on their phone through an app. Uh, it would be, be great to uh, for them to transfer tickets to uh, to get in the building and, and again a nice quick easy process should be good and then once you walk in um, you're gonna you're gonna look you're gonna get great hockey good food cold beer and we've added another area in the arena TK's corner uh, so we really started looking at. Uh, hey, when the fans want to get a beer or they want to, they want to get food. Like, hey, how can we make the, how can we improve this this process? So, with TK's Corner, it really gives them a chance to get a beer during the game action and never have to, um, you know, never have to leave like the arena area. They don't have to walk outside. With the food service, we we have gone to a system where um, fans can order food through an app, and they will be able to, you know, place an order from their seat. It's not delivery, but you can order your food, pay for it, walk out, pick it up. It'll be such a quick process. Uh, so the, the lines, you know, we really looked at how we can improve what we're doing. And uh, a lot of it was, hey, we're doing a lot of things good. We just got to do them quicker, more efficiently, more, you know, faster. So um, I, I think, you know, there, there's going to be some bugs and learning curve, but I think we're going to um, I think we're going to be, be able to improve on what we're doing for our fans. Herm, you mentioned TK's American Cafe in there, TK's Corner. We're going to put you on the spot. What's your favorite wing flavor from TK's American Cafe? Well, it, it's hard for me to ever answer that and not say Danbury Hattrick's wing. So um, I, I'm kind of like locked into that. But I, I'll tell you, I was at TK's last night mm. and I ordered fire and ice. Um, if you, it, you know, it just, it just grabbed me on the menu. It was like... I think like some mustard and horseradish or something, and I gotta tell you, they were really good. I've, I'm a big, I'm a huge TK's guy. I love TK's. I love the wings there. If you said out of the 76 flavors, how how many can I name that I've eaten? Um, I've eaten Charlie. I've eaten pterodactyl, um, uh, peanut butter and jelly. Uh, what's another one I've had? Uh, Pat had the peanut butter and jelly recently and gave it rave reviews. Oh my god, it was so good. Now, Maui Wowie I've had, uh, you know, and then they 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 combine them <laughs> like it's they're so good. I'm a boneless wing guy. I don't like to fight the food. I like the I like to just eat eat the whole thing. So I don't really order a true wing. I order the the, the fingers or whatever they call them. But, I, uh, I gotta be honest, Herb. Something told me that you were a boneless guy. I just don't know what it was. Yeah, not sure. No, I I, I agree like on that. It, not sure. Herm, it's the 10th anniversary of the Danbury Whalers Federal Hockey League Commissioner's Cup championship team. It is the only 
championship in Danbury Pro Hockey history. What yes. What are your favorite memories of that time? Well, I mean, a couple of things. Um, do we have some time here? Sure, go ahead. Number one, uh, I'll say one of the greatest days of my life, one of the greatest weekends of my life was when we beat, um, I think it was we beat Thousand Island or Watertown, whatever their, their name was. I think it was Thousand Island Privateers at the time. Uh, we beat them. And I said to my dad, if we win, I was like, let's drive to Dayton. You know, let's, I want you to do this. Like, it would be a, a fun, cool thing. It's like a dream. So we won. I was like, Dad, you're meeting me here in Danbury on Wednesday. Let's go. We're doing it. So he drove up. So I got to drive with my dad to Ohio. We left late Wednesday night. I think we we got, or maybe we left late Thursday. I don't remember now. Um, but it was it was amazing. You know, we we stopped in somewhere in Pennsylvania. We finished the rest of the ride. We rolled into Dayton. We had dinner. We went to the game and we spent Saturday all day, uh, you know, just exploring the town. We went to the Wright Museum, the Air Force Museum, the Packard Museum, uh, and it was great. And the, and the Hatricks were the Hatricks, the Whalers. That's the first, actually, you know, it was crazy. That's the first time I've probably ever said Hatricks in place of the Whalers. Uh. We, the Whalers won both games. We came back and we won it. Um, but those first two games were. Were, were just incredible. Uh, oh, and then on the way home through Pennsylvania, we stopped at Gettysburg, and uh, wow, it was it was an unbelievable trip. And uh, to to spend that time with my dad was uh, it was off the charts. So memories on that was crazy. Uh, as far as like the hockey goes, the uh, to to win the championship at home, I'll always say the loudest I've ever heard this building was the first goal of Game Three, Phil Coyne hit like the crossbar or post and it went in the sound was unmistakable the place erupted and it was it was absolute bedlam and i was like there's no way we're losing this game tonight and it was it was uh it was a cap to the season it was it was beautiful and see all the guys um be happy and the fans rejoicing and the, the noise and the videos it was it was crazy and you know one of the things i will always say about that moment was um Every day I walk in here, I always feel like um, I'm, you know, like Lou Gehrig said, I'm the luckiest man alive. It's an honor and a privilege to be here, and I treat it as such every day. Um, I, I, I felt like when we won the championship, it was like the first day, like I could really just be like, all right, hey, we did this, and the fans, I felt like carried me. Like I, I, I really, uh, I, I felt like. I felt, you know, every day I feel like we won the championship. So it's a great feeling for me every day just to walk in here every day. And I felt like when we won the championship, it was really for the fans. And because I saw how happy they were, how happy the players were. And, and like that, that's what I took out of it mostly. Like to me, winning the championship was, was great, but it wasn't really about the trophy or the, the winning, the, the ring, or whatever—it was, it was really about just what it, I think what it meant to the players, the fans, and the community. Herm, tell us, listen, what can the fans expect? We got about a minute to go, but what what can fans expect from tomorrow night's opening weekend? You know, at, at Danbury Ice Arena, and what dates do you have circled on your calendar? Oh man, well, look, 
we go at it hard every day here. So we're going to give you 28 games that are just going to be off the charts, unbelievable, fantastic fan experience. You're going to come in here. You're going to hear music. You're going to have uh, cold beverages. You're going to have uh, – actually, we got a coffee sponsor this year. We're going to have great coffee. So if you want a hot beverage, you can have that. Um, you know, we're, we're going to do some good things. Now, you, you, you talk about, like, what's the day we have circled – let me give you November 11th and 12th. We've got two things. We've got military appreciation night. We're going to wear some uh, like camouflage type of jerseys. Um, that'll be you know really incredible. We're going to have veterans here. I've got my old. I've got a teacher, my teacher, and one of my teachers in high school. He was a Vietnam veteran, three times awarded the Purple Heart. Uh, he's going to address the crowd. He's a powerful guy. I can't wait for that. And then the next day is the Mustache Classic, which, you know, great event. You know, very near and dear to your heart. And, uh, you know, raising money for uh, uh, prostate cancer and creating, uh, you know, a, a great fundraising drive. Now, as part of that night with the Mustache Classic is we have a, a, a Mustache Classic tournament where guys are coming in and playing in, in a, uh, a like a little tournament in advance of the game, and then they're going to be at the game. But some people who are attached to that are Doug Smith, who is you know Doug the Thug from uh, the movie uh, Goon, Doug Glott, which great stories out of that guy. And then really, this is amazing, but Steve Carlson from the movie Slapshot is going to be here, and that is just going to be incredible. We actually had Dr. Hook in here, from the movie Slapshot in 2010, and he was a huge hit. I cannot imagine what Steve Carlson, one of the Hanson brothers, is going to be. Um, the, we haven't announced it yet. It's going to be coming out very soon. We'll probably let the we'll probably announce it this weekend. But um, it is going to be incredible. And again, it's it's not for it's not for me. It's not for for anyone. It's 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 for the fans. It's to give the fans a great night. And they're gonna they're gonna come in here and they're gonna be blown away, and they're gonna love it, man. They're gonna absolutely love it. I know it. Herm, thanks for checking in with us on Hattrick City on WXEI ninety one point seven Danbury, Connecticut. We will see you this weekend at Danbury Arena for pro hockey. Can't wait, man. Keep on, keep on, keep on, right, boys? All right, will do. All right, thank you, guys. Take care. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That will about do it for today's first inaugural episode of Hattrick City. Of course, I was joined by my lovely co-host, the one and only DJ Uncle Matt. Got any final words before we depart? DJ Uncle Matt had a great time checking in with you about Danbury Hockey on WXEI 91.7 Danbury. Hope we're back next week. Oh, you don't got to hope. We will be back. We will be back next week at the same bat time on the same bat channel. Have a great night and enjoy. Peace out.